0: Welcome to We Never Met, the podcast where I have interesting strangers on every single week. Today we have, you can introduce yourself. Ryan Burns. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are yeah, you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We were just uh, having a conversation about tea and coffee. <laughs> yeah. The essentials. Um, and you are a musician, an artist, uh, a writer. Um, and we were sort of talking about that process. And So you drink tea before you write always? Um, almost play. always.
1: So before, yeah, I write. So... Uh
0: did it get you in like the right mindset or something? Or? Yeah, I was reading a book, I forget
1: who it was by, that uh was talking about before you're doing something creative, getting in like getting into that flow sure, and having sure. a process of going into it. Yeah. And I decided that I I like tea. I don't drink it all the time, but sure. I figure I had this romantic idea of sitting down right with like a steamy beverage next to me and (laughs) I don't like coffee so it couldn't be that right right um and so every every time I sit down to write when I'm kind of in that writing mode I do that and it kind of pulls me into the into that space
0: have you had uh writing sessions or things where you don't drink tea before and is there a difference like can you tell a difference between like the creative process either or yeah
1: it yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily about the
0: tea it's itself, just like a, but it's like a like, placebo effect, sort of like getting you. Yeah, yeah. When when I
1: t- have the tea, it's the sort of thing I'm telling myself, like, "All right, we're gonna this write. What we're let's doing put, now. push everything away." Yeah. And usually, if I like don't have tea, I also didn't put my phone in the other room or something oh, like is that, that another thing you do too? Yeah. 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 Or turn on airplane mode. Sometimes you need it to record things. And oh, sure, sure. All that, but, uh, but yeah, just. If I didn't take the time, like the five minutes it takes to make a cup of tea, yeah, then I probably didn't do anything else to like, just relax a little bit, make sure all the distractions are away. Yeah. So it kind of means I put aside the time I need yeah. to actually go
0: and do that. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. And so like, what is your ideal writing situation? Like what is your ideal space when you can go in and like really have a good session of writing? Um, so it has to be
1: kind of a, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything, but the place, so over the summer, I, for a couple months, maybe three months, I sat down like every weekday, uh, two hours every morning, uh, at my desk, I have this desk in my music room and I just have this notebook and I just start writing. Um, and so it really... I found usually I do better writing when the desk is clean mm. and there's not too many just dis- things in my periphery sure, that I'm sure. like wasn't ready for. Like in that room, I know there's going to be instruments over here and this thing over right, here. Right. But uh, sometimes if I'm like f- facing a window and then I look out and I'm like, oh, well, look at that person walking <laughs> in. And I'm like, oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which can sometimes be good if I'm trying to sure, like figure ideas. out ideas, but usually it just, distracts me and then yeah, one distraction leads to another and two <laughs> so hours... You're not ahead. even writing anymore. You're yeah. like jumping
0: rope in there or something. Yeah, or it's, it's like really different.
1: Oh, maybe I should research about like <laughs> Ancient Persian. That, <laughs> that sounds cool. That's, that's
0: what I do. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You get into like this one thing and you go down like a wormhole yeah. of like all these things. Yeah, and you don't know exactly how you got there. Right, right. But you're you're there. there. You're there now. Yeah. So that's interesting, though, because you have uh, an EP that you wrote basically in an art museum downtown, the Institute. So um, with that piece and knowing sort of how you write without with limited distractions, was that tougher to do? when it's in a public place? Or did you just take the inspiration and go back and write?
1: Uh, So it kind of, that was a bit more piecemeal where the ideas came from. So um, yeah, the Institute, that whole idea started, I was, so I was going through a bit of transition where I was trying to push more into my solo music thing. And uh, I was kind of having a writer's, black. I couldn't think of what I wanted to write about. Yeah. I had had like little melodies and cool instrumental things. But uh, so the first song off of that album that I wrote was called Earthly Paradise. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally I had written it uh, just one morning right as I was waking up and it was about waking up. Okay. And it was objectively terrible <laughs>
0: why was it objectively terrible it
1: just was like it it wasn't really about anything and it was it was just like sounded like someone who was just rambling as they were waking up <laughs> so you were
0: displeased with it from your perspective after yeah
1: that. I, I was kind of lukewarm about it I was like okay. I really like this melody yeah but uh most of the time the first person who hears my songs is my wife mm-hmm. and I played it for her. And she was like, no, the, those words aren't good enough for the melody. <laughs> I, I mean, I think she was meaner about it, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is what I want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, usually it will sidetrack a little bit. Yeah. To, so she's the sort of person that she won't really like a song until like this third or fourth listen to it. Sure. Sure. And so whenever I, play a song for it's uh like eh, that's all right or no that's bad
0: <laughs> and she has hear it over and over again yeah, to really come around yeah and so usually she
1: doesn't really say it's bad but you know it's just not gonna work if she's like no that's not gonna work yeah um sure and so it's <laughs> what's
0: a good system to have yeah at least, it you know? is
1: yeah that's that's what I'm looking for and that's why that's why I like her is she yeah shoots me straight right she's right, right not trying to I'd be like, yeah, everything you do is great. <laughs> um, it's like, it can't be, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you
0: like the melody of that song,
1: yeah. But so, the I, words didn't, so she was like, yeah, those words aren't good. And uh, we, uh, I guess, another little bit of history I had mm-hmm. written a song uh, based on The Sun Also Rises by mm-hmm. Ernest Hemingway, sure, uh, for this band I'm in Distant Brothers. Um, I, another situation I had this chord progression melody and a cool banjo part. and was like, what am I gonna write about? Yeah, um, actually funny story about that. The whole reason I did that was uh, me and one of the other guys in the band we were sitting writing it and he like it didn't have any words didn't have anything. Sure. He asked me what the name of the song is was and I said Pamplona. I don't know why I said Pamplona.
0: That's just the version thing came to my yeah, mind. I
1: just like, this sounds like Pamplona. <laughs> Which I think I was trying to say Paloma. Oh, sure, sure. The cocktail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Pamplona the town, but it came out Pamplona. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, crap, now I have to write a song about Pamplona. <laughs> and so I researched it. I'm like, oh, The Sun Also Rises is set in Pamplona. Oh, and so I'll read this book. Yeah. Then I sort of like took some phrases from it and like fit them into lyrics. Sure. And uh, so I did that and I like kind of dabbled in some other songs that were based on different things. And so that afternoon or whatever, when my Mm -hmm. wife was telling me, that the lyrics weren't very good. I was yeah. like, what do I write about? Yeah. And she, we have, we are members at the art Institute. Okay. And we have like a little coffee table book of like, these are some highlights from the art Institute. And she's sure. like, here, take this, write a song about one of them. And I open it up and it was to the page that was earthly paradise by Pierre Bonard, Pierre Um, and I was like, all right, I'll write a song about this piece of art. Yeah. So um, how does that
0: go? Like, what is the process like for writing a song based on a piece of art? Um, so
1: most of the time I wasn't doing it too much where it was, uh, like literally trying to transcribe the aesthetic quality to sure. certain notes or anything. Um, it was more trying to find the story inside of the piece. mm And then once I found that, just kind of, I don't know what you'd say, meditating on it, seeing if anything comes of it. And with that one, I already had the melody. So I kind of knew what shape it had to be. And when you're writing, a a process a lot of people do is they'll have some sort of melody and they'll just sort of... uh,
0: Find words to like fit in it? Or
1: or what, like uh, David Byrne and a whole lot of people do this where they'll and they'll have the track underneath and they'll mm-hmm. just sing and they'll sing it for like twenty minutes and they'll just be like until sometimes you'll start hearing words in there that, okay that kind of just fit um or like certain melodic phrases just lend themselves just because of the accents to yeah this word or another word and and yeah, so... Is that how it worked, pretty
0: much, for, for that?
1: Um, Kind of. I also was... I knew I had certain, like... I mean, it was a painting, so I knew the image right. I wanted to... I wanted to talk about, like, the hills in the background. Like, they had, like, green hills in the background. The yeah. foreground was... Um, Adam and Eve... Uh, set in... like, just... Adam was kind of looking off in the distance. Eve was still asleep in the morning or something. You could see the serpent up here. Um,
0: are you a very visual person? Like, do you see things visually? Like when you, are you more of like, uh, a textile like person that likes to like feel it out and like, you know, um, I'm probably like somewhere in
1: between. I was always a very like spatial thinker. So yeah, it kind of depends on the thing. I guess I'm not too visual. Mm-hmm. like visual art was never a thing I was really drawn to okay. that much yeah. until I got married and now we're members at the art Institute and we go there. <laughs> yeah. It really went to one eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I've always appreciated it. It's sure, just, never just never really seeked it out. Got into yeah. it very much. And, uh, so, so yeah, I, you had the story of Adam and Eve. You kind of knew, uh, that. And then I thought like, this is, it's about Adam and Eve, but it's kind of just about any sort of sort of detached couple where sure. he's just kind of like looking off in the distance and she's kind of looks content. It's hard to tell because it's very uh, expressionist. And sure. so I kind of had that idea and I I'd read through a few like people, other people writing about it. And, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, was there any ones that were really tough for you to write on the EP based on the pictures or did you just like flip past those ones and be like, that's too difficult. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh,
1: there's probably like five other songs that I had written, um, for the EP that some of them didn't make it or some of them I'm like, this is good, but we'll save it for later. Yeah. So there's going to be at some point, maybe a year or two down the line an institute part two. Oh, cool. Um, as, well, that's the plan. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen right. in two years? But because um, I have some other songs prepared for that or like starts of songs. Yeah. Let's see. The Cirque de Verre was a bit tricky just getting the kind of the the mood of it came pretty quick and then mm-hmm. getting the actual verses that took a few iterations of that. Yeah. That one was uh, John Singer Sargent Painting. Okay. About, it has like, uh, it's set in the Cirque de Verre is the winter circus in Paris. And so I knew I wanted like weird Paris street music. Right, right, like, right. Ba, da, da, ba, da, and sort of circusy. Um, so it's like a demented circus sound.
0: Yeah, I feel like because l- looking at those pictures, I think... It, w- it would be easy for me to sort of like see a story, but it, then it would be hard to convert that into a song. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that seems like the tough process of like, Oh, Hey, like I can sort of interpret what I think this means, but like writing that in a sort of structure of a song seems a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I'm trying to think sometimes you forget what
1: songs were on an <laughs> album. Um, so yeah, we had "Earthly Paradise." Cirque de Par- the bust of a youth. That was a little tricky because all it is just a statue of a. It's just a bust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of a youth, and they're like not positive who it is. It's they're <laughs> like <laughs> that
0: may make it a little more it, difficult. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so I just really had this statue, and I had to make up a story around it. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a little bit about innocence lost and the little touches of like what the actual aesthetics of the statue were but right it's mostly so some of the songs they were kind of I had the story from the painting I had just had to figure out how to get the words to it so right. I was like I need to find a story here right right um, and sometimes it was just digging into like the history of the piece or sometimes it was just kind of making up my own thing
0: sure um yeah because what, from what I read about you, you were introduced to music and stuff at a young age, mm-hmm. but then you didn't really get into it until you were older. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was, it's been a slow dive into music where I was like, right. I had been in choirs and church since I was three and I did like the school band thing, trumpet sure. and tuba and all that. And actually me and my family my brothers and sisters would be like in the family van harmonizing to Disney things and we we had specific parts for (laughs) specific songs. We were like, no, you're not (laughs) you're not doing this part, you're doing this part. You have to take this and and so uh and then I did start taking up guitar and was uh, this all like in high okay high school so the the harmonizing that was like elementary school, junior high. Sure, sure. Um and how many brothers and sisters do you have? Um, two brothers, two sisters. Um,
0: okay. So big family.
1: Yeah. Um, at that time it was the two sisters and one brother who would be doing that. Yeah. So I've, I'd always been interested in music and like when I was younger, I would really, uh, me and my brother would listen to music every night when we were going to bed, which, uh, we'd take one album and listen to it for like a month straight. Oh. And so I really got deep dives into those albums. What was
0: in he- heavy rotation? Like what um, albums?
1: Gordon by the Bare Naked Ladies oh, a was one. a big one. Yeah. Um there was a period where we did a lot of the best of the Eagles, just the first oh, disc, sure. not the second disc.
0: <laughs> what's on the I don't even know what's on the second.
1: Disc. Uh, the second disc is all their stuff after they broke up and then came back. Okay. And so it got there, there's some really good ones, like Seven Mile Road, I think it's called, is a good one. But uh, is that one? Something like that. Yeah. Um, Only the first disc, though.
0: But the first disc, I think, was better. Um, did you have to like listen to it quietly so your parents didn't hear it? Because huh? did you and your brother share a room? Yeah, we okay. shared a room.
1: Listen, my favorite album growing up and kind of the inspiration for why I took up guitar was uh, Eric Clapton's Unplugged okay. album um and so kind of in high school i was really into a mix of classic rock and like blues and that's kind of why i picked up the guitar and yeah i never really studied guitar though very much i just was like i want to play this song i'll do it i didn't take lessons sure I just was self taught. I got really into finger picking. That's one of the only things I actually studied a little bit. I was like, how do I do this right, uh, right, right. Thing called Travis picking where the thumb's always bum 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 bum. Oh, bum. sure, sure. Um, and so that's like one of the only things I actually was like,
0: let's look up a little bit of lessons of this. Yeah. But Well, so what changed in your mindset from like that age to now where you're doing this full time and and doing it? For a career, pretty much. Then in college, I was a physics major.
1: That's my, very different. My freshman year. <clears throat> it's uh I was always like an advanced student of math and science sure, and things. Sure. They like had to cart me to a different high school to take my math classes oh, my really? senior year. Cause there was like There wasn't the, a hard enough class for you. Yeah, yeah. I was doing like uh uh what which calculus it was some sort of Any advanced of them are tough, calculus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not advanced calculus, like advanced for a high schooler calculus. Sure, sure, sure. And I, I always really liked it, and it was fun. I like math and science. But then my freshman year of college, I was going through a weird time emotionally, and like they took us and showed us the labs of people doing physics. hmm and I was like, and they were explaining like, yeah, you do an experiment for two years. You set setting it up, getting all the machinery set up and do all your equations for two years. And then, then you the see one? if it works oh, okay. and then if it does or doesn't, whatever. And then you go to the next one. Uh, There's something about it. Wasn't rubbing me the right way. And at that time, uh, I probably had four electives I could have chosen that freshman year. Yeah. And three of them were like a music theory, a music history and a intro to world music class. And I think I was just telling myself, like, you kind of like music, Ryan. Yeah. You should maybe look into it. And that intro to world music class, um, I was just like blown away. It was, we had sections on like um, West African drumming and gamelan and all kinds of different cultures and their music. And I was like, how do I do this as a living? Right. And I went to my professor and I asked just that, I was like, how, how do I take this and do this for school so yeah. I can be a, uh, and she was like, yeah, you have to do ethnomusicology. And they're actually starting a major that you can start doing. You'll be like the first people to graduate from it if you start right now. That's cool. And so I became an ethnomusicology major which is like sort of anthropology and music combined. And they just made the major, um, before it was sort of like a Frankenstein, but now it was an official major. And Mm -hmm. I was one of the first three people at the university of Illinois to graduate with, with that degree. Um, and so I loved it. Yeah. But then I got out of school and then I was back to like, so what do I do with this? I really didn't want to go back to school. Um,
0: and get like a master's or something like that. Yeah.
1: Partly because all the debt I already had and (laughs) partly just, I wasn't in the mood for school at the time. And I did this traveling music ministry thing. It's called captive free where me and like four other people, five other people, uh, were put in a van and travel around like the entire West half of the U S from like Mississippi West. And, uh, we went to like every state out there and saw all kinds of stuff and did programs at churches and things like that. And I loved it. It was one of the best years of my life. I think what I really loved about it was like touring with a band mm. and that was really cool. Uh, but what I when I got back from that, I was like, maybe I'll go into youth ministry, which I did. And it was not for me. (laughs) It was, (laughs) why was it not for you? Uh, it was, I mean, I liked working with the kids. Yeah. I didn't like working with the adults. It was like the, there's a lot of, I'm sure other churches would be great, but I've had other friends Mm -hmm. who did that and just church politics always get in the way. Mm -hmm. And parents have one thing and then other parents have another thing. And um, so it, just ends up being this whole political mess. Yeah. Um, when all you're trying to do is like, hey, let's go play board games and talk about <laughs> yeah. stuff from your life, and this will be fun. And so, <laughs> so yeah, it. And you try to make it that just for the kids, but then right, on right, the right. back of it, you're trying to do all these other things and. So So it, how
0: long were you doing that for before you decided not to do it anymore?
1: Uh well, it was eight or nine months before the church council decided I wasn't gonna do it anymore. <laughs> okay. Which was weird because they they decided to let me go the day after like my most successful event. I was had like the most attendance and mm. and so it was it was a weird one. But that is weird. it just turned me off kinda to sure working in the church and then There was just this whole period of what do I do with my life that I feel a lot of people go through, uh, a lot of people my age go through, you know.
0: So how did you work through that and figure out like what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, me and me and my friend Dan started this band. We called ourselves Distant Brothers. Um, And it was right about the time when like Avett Brothers, Mumford and Sons, the Lumineers, were all getting big. And so uh, we were like, we should start a folk band. We... Neither of us play banjo or mandolin, but let's let's learn banjo <laughs> yeah, yeah, or mandolin.
0: And you still do that now, right? You guys still play? Yeah, we yeah. we
1: still play. Uh, we play a good amount. We play around the city. We got a residency at a place called Mantra Saloon, so we're we're still working pretty, working a lot and yeah. practice a lot. But uh, so you had to learn
0: a bunch of instruments then.
1: So yeah, I was like, oh, I should learn how to play banjo. <laughs> um and mandolin everything else there was a time when I was more into the mandolin side of things I think just because it's more similar to guitar but
0: is there uh, is there double strings on each in a mandolin
1: yeah yeah Yeah. each string is doubled up so it's eight total strings but four courses is what they're right right. which I never use that term when I'm actually playing you just (laughs) sure call it four strings yeah they're doubled So, so was it
0: tough to learn that stuff though or was it did it come pretty naturally to you uh, so it came naturally to
1: a point. Uh, there was a period of time when I was trying to just play banjo like a guitar. Mm. And I, I could do pretty well. I was I already did finger picking on guitar. And then I, after a while, I went through and started getting deeper and deeper. So I was like into the Aver Brothers Mumford and & Sons. And yeah. Aver Brothers is still one of my favorite bands. Yeah, me too. I um, saw them
0: in Milwaukee. They
1: were great. Oh, yeah. nice. Which which one? that We saw them at... It was uh, last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw them like four years or ago. No, I, not, yeah, last year. When yeah. they played at Summerfest.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Well, Yeah, was that four years ago, you said? I think so. Was that four. when
0: they were with Willie Nelson and all those other people, or were they just by themselves? Because um, they did like a tour with... A bunch of people like Willie Nelson. and all No,
1: that. they, Brandy Carlisle, mm. not Brandy, was it Brandy Carlisle? I think Brandy Carlisle was opening for them.
0: Okay. Yeah, they're great point. live though. They're, it's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So I was really into that. And so I kind of started playing like Scott Avitt does, where it's kind of a mixture of finger picking and a lot of strumming mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's still a big part of my style. But uh, I started getting more into bluegrass and like, really hardcore banjo stuff and so over the past seven or eight years it's just been this slow descent into obsession with the banjo and that's kind of where I'm at right now (laughs) yeah is I just that's that's what that's what all I practice really anymore I don't really practice guitar sure unless I have a song that needs it yeah um but I'll sit down for like an hour a day and do drills and well, stuff I, just, I love the
0: sound of banjo yeah and I don't
1: know what it is about <laughs> yeah and I don't know if anybody does but <laughs> it's still a mystery a certain group of people are just like that banjo it's something about it
0: <laughs> it's, it's really something yeah yeah and
1: yeah it's it's just a also a fun you have to really think about what you're going to be playing on a banjo mm-hmm. Especially starting out, because there's like so much going on, and when you're playing bluegrass music, you're playing like 600 notes every minute, yeah. And so, you have to kind of think it out before you play. Um, otherwise, you're just end up a bunch of notes that
0: <laughs> don't really make sense to yeah, any,
1: or they make sense, they're just kind of boring,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I just had a bluegrass band on actually on Wednesday. Oh called, yeah, yeah, from Chicago um, called the Wandering Boys. I don't know. If oh you've yeah, heard yeah. It. Um, but yeah, I, it's yeah, it's, just, some, it's something about banjo. I just really love the the sound. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun
1: instrument, and like I'm especially right now in a banjo heavy period of my life because I went to this ban a Bela Fleck banjo camp down in North oh, Carolina really?
0: in August, and so. Do they do they do both styles of like uh or the the what is it called a claw hammer and then uh the other one is uh, uh, three finger yeah
1: um so it was exclusively three finger style mm-hmm. kind of the bluegrass three finger style and that camp was a bit more like they really pushed so banjo has the three finger banjo has three main styles scrug style uh melodic style and single string okay which uh they're similar but very different and it was kind of a combination of those three styles
0: for banjo players like do you pick a style and just pretty much stick to that or can is there flexibility is that how it usually goes I guess yeah
1: it's usually like uh like you have gauges of how much of one or another you put in your style so for me like I barely do any single string. I do quite a bit of melodic and
0: what does single string even look like?
1: Um, you use like your thumb and your index.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And you almost play it like you're flat picking a guitar. Okay. Um, and so a lot of more progressive players do like do that because you're able to play more complex scales with it. Okay. Um, because you don't use the open strings as much, so you can kind of go to weirder
0: harmonic and melodic mm. places. Sure, sure. Um, but- uh, So what was the camp for? Uh, just learning more about the banjo and stuff? And yeah, it was
1: just five days of, like there were a hundred people who came together. Um, you had to audition to get into it and they would, you had like four sessions during the day where there were like great banjo teachers who would go over different parts like theories and techniques and songs and like every day would start off with like this hour long uh Bela Fleck would just like noodle for 15 minutes which was probably the coolest part of the day is just you know just sitting and like wake up Bela Fleck plays you some music (laughs) and then tells you what he was doing and like talks about how, to pr- how you practice things and then takes questions for an hour. Yeah. Um, and then there would be like a concert every night and then you would jam with all the other people till like 3 a.m. and then get up at 7.30 the next day and start all over again.
0: Wow, that's like a legit banjo boot camp.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for about a month I was just like, I would practice like three hours a day. Wow. Um, just because I was so inspired. And then now it's down to like an hour or so a day,
0: but still, still a lot though consistently. Yeah. So my question, like even going back further is, do you remember the, the first song like you wrote? Can you remember what it was about? Um, or why you decided to write a song in general?
1: So when I was a kid, I was always the sort of person who would like make up songs as I was doing a task. But it was <laughs> sure, never sure. like an actual song. It was like making pancakes. Yeah. took my shoes.
0: I still do that now sometimes. Yeah.
1: And I've actually, <laughs> I've actually stopped doing that. Oh, I really? think because now I actually write songs like <laughs> sure, that. You have like a outlet for yeah, it. Yeah. That part of me, I don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll be too judgmental of myself <laughs> oh, when sure. I do probably. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. No one will
0: make a song about pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Except <laughs> Jack Johnson.
1: Yeah. Or in Adventure Time. Yeah. Making Bacon Pancakes. That's a good song. Yeah. And it just makes me want to make bacon pancakes. Um, <laughs> We want to get brunch after this, by the way. <laughs> let's, go, let's go get brunch <laughs> yeah. right now.
0: I'm hungry. Um, can we just take this to the restaurant? <laughs> Bring the mics. Yeah. Um, uh, so you would like write songs as you were doing stuff, but like, what was the first time you actually sat down and were like, "I'm gonna write something"?
1: So the first memory I have of doing that, I was at, I was doing like a volun- volunteer camp thing, and me and my, I was there with my brother and me and him and our friend, Colin, we, me and my brother were in a phase where we wanted to be flight of the concords. Sure. Um, we came up with a band name actually pining for the fjords (laughs) based on the, uh, line from a Monty Python sketch. Okay. We never really finished a song. We started a lot of songs. And I think the first one I remember was just a song about Ogallala, Nebraska. Okay. Not, we didn't know anything about it. Just <laughs> the name was interesting to us and it had the Ogala. And so it was like, ogala la 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 la. And that's all I remember about that song. Wow. Not a good song. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it could have been, you never know.
0: It could have been.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so we were trying to write silly songs and that's the first yeah, yeah. thing I remember. But the first song I actually finished um, was a song called Beautiful Light. And that's like, I think I kind of went from zero to 60 songwriting kind of yeah. right when that band formation started. Mm-hmm. Like before that, I hadn't really tried to write music. I just sort of played other, I covered music. Yeah. And so when we started Distant Brothers, I was like, oh, I guess I should write a song. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think some combination of writing silly songs and doing the, like putting on a sock sort of song. Sure. Uh Prepared me for it because I actually am pretty still. Pretty I still play that beautiful light oh, to okay. this day. It was it's uh and it's on uh one of the distant brothers albums and we play it all the time.
0: What's it about? Um,
1: it sounds like it's like a romantic song about a girl. I saw the light and the light is you, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually like a a spiritual song about like my religious mm. feelings um,
0: at the time. You just used a more concrete things to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of going through
1: a questioning period. I think that was right after also the youth ministry thing mm. that happened. And so I was kind of in a very questioning place about like, what do I, where, where am I spiritually? Do I, what do I believe at this point? What, right. What's my, and so
0: I, yeah, try to put it put it out in a song. And do you find that's a good way for you to like let out emotions and feelings and stuff? Is to write about it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I'm better about like managing my emotions since then. Mm-hmm. I'm usually a pretty introverted person. Not sure. like I don't wear my heart on my sleeve at all. Right, I right. kind of have one of those faces where I. You know, like, <laughs> I have one of those faces. I have one of those faces where I'm not very. <laughs> expressive most of the time okay, I hear, I hear them like uh I don't have a lot of highs and lows outwardly and I so uh when I'm playing my songs that's kind of catharsis for me a lot mm. of the times and sometimes it's just a fun song and I write it and it's a lot of fun but right some some of them are
0: like ways
1: to get out those big emotions yeah
0: um when you play those songs again that you like let's say um that you do have like sort of a big emotional pull too. When you play them, do you feel that again? Like, do you feel how you felt at that point when you were writing it?
1: Yeah, some of them I do. Some of them they like stay the same, but usually it'll like morph into something else. Like you wrote it about this one. Depending experience, on what's happening then, in your life. Yeah, yeah. You'll look at it from a different lens. You'll think, uh, like or you'll write it about something you'll be like oh there's this other completely different meaning that mm. I wasn't paying
0: attention to isn't it crazy how the human brain is like it's so complex you know yeah I mean and
1: that's kind of when you put music out in the world that's what other people are doing they're exactly taking yeah. a they'll look at a song and they'll put it in the context of their life and it's a completely different thing right then than what you were thinking when you were writing it and that's this is fine.
0: Right. Do you, so my question on that is, do you not like saying what songs are because you want people to sort of gather their own or does it not matter?
1: I don't think it matters that much. I, I'm like, I don't think me saying that beautiful light was about me looking for my spiritual, spiritual center or something is going to turn someone else off of what they thought it was going to be. Um, so yeah, I don't really mind talking about it. I do kind of like there's this phenomena where a lot of musicians back before kind of uh, there was so much ways to like social media and things mm-hmm. that there was a lot more mystery around certain songs. Sure. Yeah. Um, because you couldn't listen to a podcast where a guy's explaining, right. oh, this is what I was thinking when I was right, writing right. this. And um, so there. There's like this certain romantic idea of like, oh, the song's a mystery. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's knowing that context, then there's just more different ways you can look at a song. Sure. And it becomes more complex and meaningful. So it's
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Doesn't matter either way. Yes. Yeah, but that that is interesting you bring that up because I was thinking about there's a there's an account on Instagram that I follow that this guy he shoots in all like VHS format. He like mm. shoots the world in VHS. Yeah. And It's pretty cool, but no one knows who it is. And so like, it's just like really mysterious thing of like, well, I'm sort of in, I'm interested for sure. And I think it's cool what you're doing, but I'm really interested in like, who is this person, you know, and how can no one figure out who it is in this day of like knowing pretty much everything on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. That is really like, I think that's a, that's an interesting thing for people to like go at the social media, Mm -hmm. uh, with as instead of being like completely open, which is kind of what, so what it is, what it, it becomes, is, yeah, turns into this whole other mystery.
0: It's like the very opposite of it, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. But it creates this like sort of it. It creates more intrigue for sure because mm-hmm. you're like, how could we not know? Yeah, like, I know
1: everything. I can just Google everything.
0: <laughs> right, right. Why can't I know this? Thing? It's like uh, who like the DJs that put like stuff on their heads, you know, so you can't see mm-hmm. who they are. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just an interesting, an interesting concept. So, like right now, currently, are you writing new music? Are you like cultivating new, new ideas for, for releases in the future?
1: Yeah. So I'm like in the process of recording a new album. Um, actually, in the process of recording new album or new music with the Distant Brothers okay. and for my solo.
0: Oh wow! Um, That's a lot. Double project. duty.
1: Yeah. Well the the distant brothers one has been like slowly percolating. We recorded some stuff like a year and a half ago. Okay. And then we like
0: Is that a so is it a similar like folky style then? Yeah, it's um, it's yeah,
1: it's to you. pretty similar. Yeah.
0: Um cuz are you still at the residency that you have?
1: Yeah, so we we have that second Monday residency at Montrose Saloon with Distant Brothers. Um I think that's all we have lined up for that. We might have some other shows lined up but I mean uh, the summer's
0: coming eventually so I'm yeah, sure there'll, summer be more. There's, there'll be things Yeah. We'll we'll have shows pop up. Yeah. But uh do you guys have like a website you can go to to look at stuff? Yeah, you can go to
1: distantbrothersmusic.com and you'll find all the all the
0: things you need to find. Oh, all the things and all the necessary information. Yeah. 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 So when is uh when is that do you have like a timeline for when that would come out? Is it 2020 sometime? The uh, distant brothers album? Uh, well, so the distant brothers were,
1: that's kind of a, it's in the ether. It's been around for sure. a year and a half. We're just kind of, it'll come out when it comes. It'll, yeah. When we, <laughs> when we have the time and the budget to finish everything and it might just be like eight singles or it might be an album or mm-hmm. it might start one way and go another or two EPs, who knows what yeah, it's going to yeah. be. But the, the solo stuff, um, which it still has a band playing out and everything. Mm-hmm. Um is definitely coming out
0: this summer and it's gonna be a full album. How many songs is that? Like how much is a full album? Because oh. I never know E P versus full album versus you know, yeah, it's
1: gonna be between like ten and fourteen okay. probably. That's a lot. It's uh depends how much fits on a uh, vinyl. Oh okay. Because um, I kind of I've never put out album uh any music on vinyl and I just wanna check that off my sure. My list of things that I've done. Is, and so. Yeah.
0: Is there a cohesive, like, story to the album? Like, do all the songs sort of collectively fit, or is it just, are they sort of all different?
1: Uh, kind of. So, you know, world exclusive. The title of the album is going to be Static Year. Okay. Um, and it's kind of, there was a period. So, going back to a question you asked a while ago that I never answered, oh, yeah. I was getting there. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, why I started doing music full time. Oh sure. Sure. Uh, so all of those things that I've talked about Mm. happened and then I kind of was doing odd jobs and things back and forth and I started teaching lessons and I was doing gigging. I was playing, playing out a lot. Um, I was doing Instacart. I took, had a few months doing gutter cleaning. Oh wow. Um, I worked in the warehouse of a Sears doing like repairs for, like, lawnmowers and ratchets and things. Okay. Then I was sort of, like, in a a stasis sort of situation, and I was like, I should, you know, start applying for jobs. I was looking for a lot of nonprofit arts, music sort of jobs. And I did that for about a year. I got a grand total of one phone interview from, like, dozens and dozens of applications and, like, reaching out to people. And it was miserable and terrible. And I felt like nothing was happening in my life. Mm -hmm. And then one day out of, and I was kind of doing that because I had been kind of focusing on music, but I was maybe starting to get a foothold, but I kind of felt one, it's just a lot of work trying to be a musician and get that foothold where you can actually do it as a living. Sure. Um, And also, and so I kind of felt guilty. It was like a couple of years after I got married, I was like, gosh, I was trying to find a job, uh, for about a year, like a real nine to five sort of job. Cause I, I guess I had a little bit of that with the, the eight months of youth ministry. Mm -hmm. But, uh, other than that, it was kind of like gig work and, uh, like, two or three part-time sure. jobs sort of situation. So I wanted to get like a nice full-time job and you know, settle down and maybe do music on the side. That was the idea there for a year. Yeah. And then my wife was like, why don't you just do music full-time? And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah." And so I just stopped applying for things and started being like, all right, what do I need to do to actually make this happen and so
0: what did you figure out that you had to do to actually make it happen like what did you need to change just do more of it or
1: I just kind of had to get organized Mm. I kind of sat down as like so what exactly do I want to just be a gig gig musician where I'm just like playing for other people do I want like to put my music out do I want to teach is the teaching good enough am I feeling good about that um and so kind of what I came around to and this is where I started getting more serious about writing where I really started like the tea drinking, getting into, uh, that process is that I need to write more, get that sort of thing, uh, like actually hone my craft instead Mm. of just sort of writing when, whenever inspiration struck me. and So less
0: doing it as a hobby, more doing it as a,
1: yeah. And then like, making the spreadsheets of contacts and venues and um I knew and that kind of to start out to make money it's a lot of bars and Mm -hmm. breweries cover gigs that sort of thing and now I, I have kind of enough of those to be at a nice equilibrium and now trying to push more in my original music and uh more
0: gigs at cool venues and things right, like right, that. Right, right, right. And so less things that you feel like you're obligated to do to make money mm-hmm. and more stuff that you want to do. Yeah, so
1: yeah. kind of I knew I wanted to find a a place where I can be and not not be like a financial burden, so I teach a lot of lessons. I have like 30 students right now. Wow, that is a lot. And uh, I gig a lot. I have like 7 or 8 gigs a month usually. Um, and so kind of between that and I write some jingles for people and like oh, really? do some like lyric writing for some people. Um, and so uh, a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote, uh, Irish, uh, Irish drinking song about coffee for a Mac trucks web series. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's the biggest one I've done, but, uh just like random little things like that. And so with all that, I'm at that place where I can get by and then focus everything else I got on putting out original music. And slowly I want that kind of less students, less bar gigs, more original music, original music touring. And yeah, uh, so yeah, it was more just kind of getting organized and thinking like what, my goals are five years out that sort of thing sure which is something you when like eight years ago i was like i want to play music in a band yeah isn't the sort of thing you're like well you're gonna have a lot of spreadsheets and <laughs> sure yeah that's what you think and, about
0: yeah uh but yeah it's so I have a question just based on your so you sort of playing in a band and going by like doing solo music mm-hmm. so when you go like back and forth between those two is there like a different mindset that you take into a band rather than your solo stuff or vice versa um or is it pretty much the same?
1: It's pretty similar so one thing with the band so so with distant brothers where we' we were all well three of us were all friends growing up we went mm. to the same church. Um, and then the bassist, he was a friend of a uh, friend of one of us from college. Sure. And so we we're like just a group of friends who were getting together to play music. And at some point I think we had some big lofty goals and then, uh, kind of, they got their everyone else got 9 to 5s and things mm. like that and which is perfectly fine like they all have their careers that they're uh pushing into and but there was like a period where i was really frustrated mm. because i was like oh, but i don't really want to make this a thing right, right, i want right. to make this like my career and for some reason for a while i didn't nothing in my brain cooked like i could still do this band and also just do sure Music my by own myself, music. Yeah. And so it's actually since I started taking my solo stuff more seriously, it's uh really made the whole band dynamic a lot more fun. relaxed and yeah. fun and enjoyable for everybody cuz it's Cause, not like you're
0: relying on that to yeah, that, yeah to push
1: forward. Yeah, cuz I'm not there being like, "Come on guys, why aren't you <laughs> taking this more seriously?" Yeah. I'm just like, "All right, we'll we'll play when we can if there's right. a couple months where uh you're traveling a lot or works too busy. That's okay. Right. And so so with distant brothers, that's kind of what it's become is like we'll do what we can when we can. I know we're we're good and I like playing with us, but I'm not relying on that for right. any portion of like my
0: uh your your livelihood or your Yeah, my yeah it almost like switched. It's like a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be in a band and I have a side project doing solo stuff. Whereas you could sort of switched your mindset to be mm-hmm. like, that's my main stuff. And this is the side thing that I yeah, do sometimes.
1: Yeah. And so I, yeah, the last year and a half, I really kind of dived into that, made the EP. And now I'm working on that album. I kind of have a semi-regular band um, I'm playing with, which, Oh yeah. I'm going to work on trying to like actually tour with them and, start making this kind of more official little band sort of situation. So now it's circling around to, I still have all the logistical things of like, let's find when we can practice and are you available this weekend? No. Okay. Um, But uh, all of the guys in that band are a bit more full-time gigging musicians or have done that in the past. And so Mm. there's a bit more, it's still fun and all of that, but it's kind of more, ownership the ownership is on my end and Mm. I'm kind of
0: facilitating that stuff facilitating
1: that whereas with Distant Brothers it's like this is our collective thing and we all kind of have to agree on everything to go forward and we're just kind of uh we're still you know trying to do cool shows and record music and do all that but it's more of like Oh, uh, we're friends and we like to hang out and play yeah, music. Yeah. Where the other, it's like, I'm trying to set the expectation. It's like, this is trying to be professional about it. Also still fun to go up yeah. on stage and play music. But uh, that's kind of the- The dynamic the, difference. The two modes I'm going between. And I still do a lot of like the solo, the, the kind of craft brewery. Yeah. The craft brewery. Yeah. How can I not say that word? Uh, and, like, kind of bar culture that is right now is really good for solo folk musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they actually like when someone shows up with a banjo and sings right, songs right. for them. It fits, it is, fits the venue.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: so, so I still do a lot of that and, like, tours just solo, but yeah. I'm trying to get that
0: band to come around to... Yeah. So... So where can people find more information about like your music and all and all your social media and stuff like that? Um
1: so if you go to burnsband.com just burns b u r n s band.com um and then my social media handles at burnsband. Um so if you go not on any of the social media's like I don't really do Snapchat and I don't know if I'm cool enough for TikTok, yet. I don't do either of those either so. But like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. The old uh
0: Old the, big, st- the big
1: three. Yeah, the big three. As they not, call. not the coolest ones. I'm not quite <laughs> cool enough
0: for TikTok. I, I don't even really understand I, I, what TikTok is, to be honest. Yeah, and, I, I, I'm not
1: sure. I, I It just seems like short videos of people. Yeah, it seems like, what was the one that was the
0: seven-second oh, video? Oh, yeah. which is back now, too. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could go You could go on there if mm. you want.
1: I was never on that either, but oh, yeah, I, wasn't I, either, I knew really. what that one was at least. Right, right, right. Yeah, I
0: feel like as I get older now, I'm almost there. I'm getting approaching 30. It's like when they come out with new social media stuff, I don't even like try to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean,
1: say. even Facebook, I I want to not be on Facebook, but I feel as a musician I like need it. Right, for like events and And I can't music like prices. have my, my artist page without having a personal page. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, and so it's like I'm stuck there. <laughs> I guess I could make another personal page. And just not even use and it and just like not friend anybody, right? Right, right.
0: But I I don't know, seems like a lot of work at this point for that. It, it does, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks you for can, having uh, me. Uh, you can, there's gonna be new music coming in 2020 from you, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. And are you excited about that? Like, yeah, yeah. do you, you don't have to say the date, obviously, but do you know in your mind like a specific time period of like when you're gonna release the full album or are there gonna be singles leading up to it
1: there will be some singles leading up to it but my target right now is for July of this year
0: nice right in the middle of summer yeah yeah a good summer release
1: yeah so somewhere between June and August probably somewhere we'll see we're we're kind of halfway through the recording okay and so we'll see where are you recording it at um a buddy of mine Will Phelan has a home studio in his basement oh cool um and yeah we he's got like you know, his drum set set up there all the amps you need and uh, yeah so the those two songs that came out in November Amtrak to Albuquerque and billionaires are dying mm-hmm. they uh, they were recorded with will the oh, earth okay. the Institute I recorded just on my own in my own little home studio oh wow did pretty much everything on there and this one I'm trying to pull in more uh, more musicians i know and sure other other people but yeah
0: cool well thanks for coming on man i appreciate it thanks for having me um say the website one more time so people Uh, can burnsband.com yeah awesome well have a great day yeah you too